Warning, this podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. Hey, Spooksters, and welcome back to another episode of Stabby Snippets here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara, and as always, I'm joined by my ghoul friend, Jessica. Hello. Hello, hello. And today I have a clusterfuck doozy of a case. Uh, It's one I've been following for the last few months, and then it popped up in our Facebook group, and then one of my favorite YouTubers talked about it. So here we are. Today, I'm going to be discussing the disappearance of two children who are brother and sister. Their names are Tylee Ryan and Joshua Vallow. As this is an ongoing investigation, I do have some contact info for the authorities handling this case in case anyone who hears this has some information on the kids' whereabouts. They're asking people to please contact Rexburg Police Department at 208-359-3000 or the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children at 800-THE-LOST. Tylee is 17 years old, has blonde hair and blue eyes, is 5 foot, 160 pounds. Her brother, Joshua Vallow, a.k.a. or Vallow, I don't know which way to say it, but I'll probably say it both ways, sorry. Joshua, a.k.a. JJ, is 7 years old and has brown hair and brown eyes. He's 4 feet tall and 50 pounds. As usual, the contact info for that will be in the show notes and on the social media posts as well, along with photos of both Tylee and JJ. Okay. So like I said, this whole thing's a clusterfuck. Some of you might know, some of you might not. If you don't know, buckle the fuck up on your drive, on your work stuff, on whatever the fuck you're doing right now, and get ready. We have a lot of backstory to go through and a lot of weird things that happen that lead up to the kids disappearing and even weird stuff after. But it all of it needs to be discussed because there's useful tidbits in it and hopefully something here will help those kids be found is just the goal, of course. So besides the kids, we do have a list of key people that are going to come up. We have Lori Vallow. We have Chad Daybell, Tammy Daybell, Charles Vallow, Alex Cox, Brandon Beaudreau, which I'm probably saying wrong, so I do apologize, and Cody Ryan. I'll explain each of these individuals when they come up and who they are, but I kind of just wanted to give you these list of people to not forget as we go along. As we get started, we're going to go back quite a bit and start with Lori. So on February 24th, 2006, Lori was a single mom to two children, Corey and Tylee, and this is when she marries Charles Vallow. They're married for about eight or so years. So later in 2014, the couple ends up adopting JJ. He's the grandnephew of Charles I read that there was some circumstances that basically like the mom wasn't able to take care of him kind of thing. So Charles stepped in and, you know, that kind of thing, like took over his care. And then also Lori adopted him 
as well. And JJ's also special needs. They It's kind of limited because, of course, he's a minor and stuff, but it said he was on some medications and things like that. And then he was also on the autism spectrum as well. Lori was described as being a great mom. She was also of the Mormon faith and was said to be a good person. But then around 2015, things started to take a turn. She became obsessed with these sort of end of days, apocalyptic type of books, like fiction books. And those were written by Chad Daybell. Chad and his wife, Tammy, they had started a book publishing business, I believe in the early 2000s or so. And Chad was an author, of course. He was also a speaker who presented at events and conferences and things like that. And we'll kind of dive into more in that in a little bit. The Vallow family moved around a bit. They lived in Hawaii for like a short period of time. And then after that, later by 2017, they would end up settling in Arizona. Now, Tylee, like I said, had been from a previous relationship. Lori had actually been married a crap ton of times. Wasn't super relevant, so I didn't list each and every single one. But I think at this point, Charles was husband number four, I want to say. Oh, wow. Yeah. But in April of 2018, Tylee's birth father had died of a heart attack. Hmm. Yeah, he just had a heart attack and died, which is sad. But something I do and you guys will see as we go along is that death kind of follows these people. So there's more deaths to come. And 2018's this like pivotal year. This is the first year Lori attends a preparing a people event, which she saw Chad speak at. Now, I'm not here to talk down about anyone's beliefs or anyone's religion or anything like that. You know, everybody should live how they want, believe in what they want, you know, within reason, without hurting anybody, of course. Mm -hmm. I will say the media has deemed this organization to be, quote, cult-like and have a doomsday theme to it. To stay neutral, I won't be calling the Preparing a People organization a cult, as I don't personally know much besides what I found on their website, which I will say is very limited right now, I'm assuming because of the case. And then, of course, what I read from articles and stuff as well. Anyways, just to give you kind of what's directly on the organization's website, their mission statement reads, helping to prepare people of this earth for the second coming of Jesus Christ. And they have five pillars of emphasis, which are the Book of Mormon, the Prophet Isaiah, Prophet Joseph, Universal Model, and the Gathering of Israel. So you can do your own research on them and have your own opinions. We would love to hear them because, you know, we love having the conversations. But we're going to go back to June 2018. So along with the event, it's also speculated that this was probably about the time that Lori and Chad begin having an affair. In December of that year, Lori and Chad happened to end up on a Preparing a People podcast together called Time to Warrior Up. And they'd also have plenty of other episodes with the two of them on there as time went on. A few months go by and then something interesting happens, which I didn't see widely reported. So I'm like, hmm, that's weird. But apparently Lori went missing for 58 days. What? Yeah, she just up and... Bye? We don't know. I don't know. All it has said was a quote from Charles being like, I don't know where my wife went. I don't know where she is. You know, what the fuck? And then I guess eventually she does come back. But at this point, Charles is like, okay, enough of this. I'm done. Mm -hmm. And at this point, (laughs) I can understand why. It's reported that Lori had threatened to murder him, had stolen $35,000 from his business. Oh. And people close to her said she was just in these like deep trenches of her super radical religious beliefs, and she claimed to be a reincarnated god. Well, you know, you have to have life goals. I mean, you know, 
So there's that. Then a month later, what is weird is the divorce proceedings that they had, they would be dismissed because Charles decided he wanted to try and make things work. And then also that summer, there's more family drama. So June 2019 is where we're at now. Brandon, he had been married to Lori's niece named Melanie for 10 years. And Melanie was also involved with the preparing of people events like Lori was. She had joined after Lori. I'm assuming they were probably like close and, you know, that kind of shit. Mm -hmm. At this point, Melanie demands a divorce from Brandon. And Brandon says in a bunch of different interviews that he thinks it had to do with the religion, that it changed her, that it changed Lori. You know, he was actually one of the people that said Lori had always been a great mom, a great person, that it was just like really weird. You know, this like totally different person Mm -hmm. and just putting emphasis that as soon as she deep dived into this religious group, she changed and it wasn't good. Okay. So even though there was articles stating that they had dropped their divorce stuff, things must have went south because Lori and Charles were no longer living together because on July 11th. Charles comes over to Lily's house because he wanted to take JJ back with him. But there's some more interesting and conflicting things that comes into what happens next. More recently, and it's like our time within the last couple of days, they released the 911 call and body cam footage of what's happened next. They're in the sources if you guys want to check it out. So I'm just going to give you guys kind of my breakdown on that. So on this visit, Charles is shot and killed by Lori's brother, Alex Cox. Oh, yes. The 911 call takes place just a couple minutes after he had died. And it's fucking chilling. Like, it's creepy. So I can't obviously say how, like, I don't know how I would react or how I would be in a situation like this because I've never killed a person. But something about his demeanor is just a hard no for me. It doesn't sit well. And just from what I read from comments and stuff on the videos, people seem to kind of agree. He initially tells the dispatch that they had gotten into an altercation and he shot his brother-in-law in self-defense. During this whole call, he is like so calm. It's almost casual. Like he's not talking about like he just shot and killed somebody. It's really fucking weird. The dispatcher asks if he's willing to check on Charles and see if he's breathing. And he's like, sure. Like, okay, why not? All right. You know, that kind of shit. Oh, And then when asked if he'll start CPR on his brother-in-law, he literally says, nah, I don't know how to do that. Oh. And the dispatcher says, are you sure? I can walk you through. I can tell you how to do it. You know, and eventually he he agrees. He's just like, okay, like, I guess I'll do this. And then it just, it sounds like he's attempt, I'm assuming he is attempting it because it's in the police report he was doing CPR because you can kind of hear something in the background, but it's just like, I don't know. Something just makes me feel like he really wasn't or was like not tapping. But you know what I mean? Like not the fullest effort. Mm -hmm. But that's just me. That's just me. That's my opinion. Anyway, so police arrive and they have him come outside, you know, make sure he doesn't have a weapon on him, anything like that. Mm -hmm. He doesn't because he's left it in the bedroom. And Charles was shot and killed in the living room. And he had already had it in the bedroom by the point he had called 911 because they had asked to. So he took the time to go put the gun out of the way before calling. 
Alex originally told dispatch that he was the only one there when the altercation that led up to the death took place. He kept saying that Charles was enraged to both police and dispatch and that he shot in self-defense after being hit in the head with a baseball bat by Charles. When the police asked how did that happen, he said that Charles was getting physical with Lori, so Tylee came out with a metal bat. Oh, damn. And then that Charles took the bat away from her, and then that's when the two men had their scuffle. And in the middle of that, the officer obviously catches that inconsistency. He's like, wait, wait, I thought you said nobody else was here when you killed him. And then he's like, oh, yeah, they left. Lori had to take JJ to school or something. So during said scuffle, Alex got hit in the head, got up and got his gun, came back and then supposedly asked, you know, what what's your problem? Like, why are you doing this? Blah, blah, blah. He said that Charles attempted to, like, come at him and attack him again, and that's when he shot him in self-defense. And it's noted that he was shot two times in the chest. What's confusing, though, is that in one of the transcriptions of the body cam video, and, you know, because, of course, we're not going to see the whole thing because evidence, you know, there was something in the notes that said there was four shots, so maybe two weren't in his body. Mm -hmm. Maybe he missed him. I don't know. That's all I could figure out with that. That's just assumption on that part, but two were in his chest is what multiple things said, so that's kind of what I'm going with. Eventually, Lori does come back, and she's talking to the police, and you know they're questioning, asking what happened. Tylee's right there, too, so they pretty much muted and didn't release any of that, I'm assuming because of minors in it. But what we do know, what was released, does contradict the stories as well. Are we surprised that there's contradictions at this point? No, fucking no. It said that Lori said she heard gunshots, walked into the kitchen to the living room, or from the kitchen to the living room, or through both, basically, found Charles dead on the ground, then goes back out to her car where her kids are, is said to almost come back inside, but then doesn't, and then just leaves. What? Mm -hmm. That doesn't make any sense. No. So for this incident, Alex ends up not getting arrested. It's ruled that he did shoot Charles in self-defense. Something off-putting, obviously. With this is that uh, later it's reported that same day by neighbors that they saw people like a bunch of people at the house with loud music playing and they were all swimming. So essentially that they were having like a pool party the same day that her husband died in her house. Um, So many questions about that. Right. Sketch, sketch, sketch. So during these summer months, it's stated by JJ's grandparents that they start to hear from him less and less. They used to talk to him all the time. They'd FaceTime him, things like that. And they said that the last call that they had with him was on August 10th of 2019, and it only lasted about 35 seconds. Another thing to note that's obviously a little strange during these summer months, JJ's service dog had been returned to the kennel that they had purchased it from. And like I said, he had special needs and things like that. So just a little weird that they would get rid of his service dog. Yeah, because they're expensive. Right, exactly. So after this, Lori and the kids moved to Rexburg, Idaho. And the actual reason for that is, of course, unclear because unclear and weird is like one of the main themes with this case. There's a few different reasons. It ranges from the landlord told them they needed to move out by a certain date. They were moving to Rexburg for better schools. And one of Tylee's friends said that Tylee had told her that Lori was moving them there because she got a better job. So we don't know. 
Originally, Tylee was actually going to stay in Arizona and live with a friend, I guess, to finish school because I'm assuming she's like 17, so probably was getting ready to be like a senior. But she didn't want to abandon JJ. They are said to be super close and she always was a super protective older sister to him. So she went with them. Then on September 23rd of 2019, this is the last time that JJ can be confirmed seen, and that was at school. Police have also determined this is approximately the last day that Tylee had been seen as well. It's a little fuzzy on, like, I guess her last day, but that's just what they've went with as far as timelines and stuff goes. They don't really talk about her school so much, so I'm wondering if, like, maybe she did homeschooling or something. I don't really know, to be honest with you. And they did list, like, the school that JJ went to and everything, but because it's a minor and everything, I'd rather not list it here in the episode. But if you really care to know what school, you can easily Google it. So when you think there can't be more, there is. In October of this year, this ends up being a month where even more strange stuff happens and another death. On October 2nd, Brandon is involved in a drive-by shooting. Luckily, he avoids death or any harm, but the weird thing about this is that the vehicle that the attack came from is registered to Charles, who's dead. Uh Uh-oh. So people speculate that this was not random, that this was a planned attack to murder Brandon. Because this is where people are thinking Lori was involved with this radical religious group. So what do cult-like groups do? They get you to alienate yourself from people who are not affiliated. Yeah. You know, that's why it wasn't a big deal that Charles is gone. And then that's why Melanie had left Brandon after being married for 10 years type of situation because he wasn't a part of it. So that's kind of the people that think that that's that train of thought. But let's go back over to Chad for a second. So as you might remember, Chad had a wife named Tammy. They had been married since March of 1990. Well, we got some sketch for them too. So early October of 2019, I believe is around like the 7th or so, she had filed a police report and also posted in a Facebook group, which I'm guessing is like a neighborhood type of group, you know, neighborhood watch or something like that, that a masked man shot at her with a paintball gun while she was out. And I grabbed a quote of her post and I'm going to read it to you guys. Something really weird just happened and I want you to know so you can watch out. I had gotten home and parked in our front driveway. As I was getting stuff out of the back seat, a guy wearing a ski mask was suddenly standing by the back of my car with a paintball gun. He shot at me several times, although I don't think it was loaded. I yelled for Chad and he ran off around the back of my house. So the police would never find who the man was that did this, and they eventually just deemed it as someone who was just causing trouble and pulling pranks on people and just being an asshole. Mm -hmm. But another weird thing, because we have noted that Tylee and JJ went missing as of the end of September. So in October, there's two dates where there's activity on Tylee's Venmo, not receiving money, but sending money. And it was to her brother, Corey, because she has an older brother, the one that was born, you know, before the other marriage. One is on the 10th with a note that says, we love you. And the other one is on the 16th with the heart emoji. And this is, like I said, after they went missing. So who knows who actually sent this because it's like anybody could have had her phone kind of situation. It's just Venmo. You know, it could have been Lori for all we know. But then a few weeks after the paintball attack, sorry, I'm kind of like tennis back and forth, but this shit's just fucking crazy. On October 19th, Tammy would be found dead. 
Her body was discovered by family members that day in her home, and originally her death was deemed of natural causes. But what's weird about that is that her family came out later saying that they had seen her just a bit before this, maybe two weeks, maybe a little less, and said that Tammy appeared to be fine and in good health. She was overall a healthy person, and she was also only 49 at the time, so pretty young to kind of just die randomly like that. And Chad decided he did not want an autopsy on his wife's body. So they didn't do one and they just buried her. And then on October 25th, a friend of Tylee from Arizona gets a text message from Tylee's phone saying, quote, hi, miss you guys too, dot, 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 love ya. And this text was basically in response to one she had sent on October 19th saying like she had missed her and been thinking about her because obviously she hadn't heard from her. The friend did say that this text was a little weird and she didn't think it was Tylee who wrote it. She had said that Tylee actually spells out her words fully. The love you part was like L-U-V-Y-A, you know, that kind of love you. And then she said because it had been a while, she would have written more than that kind of situation, you know, to catch up. Mm -hmm. So she's like, it was just weird and she didn't think it was her. And then turn of events. A few weeks after Tammy had died, Chad moves right along and he marries Lori. So originally it came out that it was estimated to be around early November, like the second or so. But then in another couple articles I read, family members confirmed that the wedding was closer to the 15th and in Hawaii. Like, what the fuck? Oh, yeah. So there's that. And then on November 26th, the police go over to Chad and Lori's house in Rexburg to do a welfare check on JJ because uh, the grandparents that I talked about earlier, they, of course, haven't heard from him, so they were getting worried. And Lori lies to the police and says that the kids are visiting other relatives in Arizona. So the police contact these relatives to be like, hey, are these kids there? We're doing a well check. And they're like, "Uh, no, we don't have them. I don't know what you're talking about. And uh, the next day, the 27th, the cops decide to return to the house with a search warrant. And guess what happens? Guess what they found? Nobody. Nothing. They were gone. And uh, this family all likes to get married, apparently, because it was also noted that Alex got married to someone in Las Vegas. Then Melanie, the one who left Brandon, found a new boo and got married in Vegas as well. And there was weird shit with that, too. And that guy was just recently divorced as of July. Oh. Yeah. But then on December 11th, authorities decided they wanted to exhume Tammy's body. A lot of stuff with this case is close to the chest, which I don't blame them because even today we don't. Like, this is no spoiler. Nobody knows where these kids are. Nobody knows they're alive. Nobody knows they're dead. So they don't even know where the fuck Lori and Chad are. So I don't blame them for, you know, blasting all this. But they decided it was time to check on Tammy and see what the fuck happened to her. And then guess what? The next day, Alex, the brother, he died. What? In Arizona. Yeah. A lot of people dying. Yeah. They have not released basically anything on his death. So I don't know if there's anything to build against Lori and Chad or what's exactly going on. But again, details, details being held. So, you know. Respect that, though. And then on December 20th, they do come out to the public to say that they did exhume her body because they believe that her death was under suspicious circumstances. So that's why they're performing the autopsy. And as of right now, nothing's been released for that autopsy. So we are still on the waiting game. 
And the day after Christmas, the Preparing a People put out a statement saying that basically, yes, they promoted the events he spoke at, but they did that for many speakers and it wasn't anything exclusive for just Chad. They don't endorse that, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and then, they, of course, that like they share their condolences for the families and all of the loved ones during this time and that they're being cooperative for the police. And also they're disappointed in the media coverage of them since that they're people of LDS faith, not a cult. Then on January 3rd, a search warrant for Chad's home finally happens. So this is good. This was served by the FBI and Rexburg PD. 43 items were taken from the home, including computers, cell phones, medications, journals, documents, all kinds of stuff. The home was released to Chad's two sons who still currently live there. So they're, I guess, free to be there type of situation. But any results for that stuff as far as like forensics go or anything, you know, anything with news, they said it won't be released for several weeks. And that's if they even do put any of the whatever they put out to the public. So I would assume at the earliest, probably the end of the month. Okay. And then on January 5th, and this was, oh my God, I watched it. It was sad. Colby Ryan, who is, if you remember, the kid's older brother, he posts a YouTube video basically directed towards Lori. And he's just begging her to like end this. He's like, you're the only one that knows what the fuck happened to them. You have the power to end this. Just put it to rest. Just let us know what happened. If they're alive, you know, give them back, like that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Because he has no other way to address his mom. And then he had also mentioned, like, he was just confused because he grew up, you know, they had a normal life. It was like, yeah, he had a stepdad and this other little brother or whatever. But it was like they were a family. Like, it wasn't anything toxic or weird. Right. You know, basically the same stuff Brandon said. And then on January 7th, JJ's grandparents, which is Larry and Kay Woodcock, they held a press conference and announced that they are offering a $20,000 reward for the kids' return. And then there's one more, one more person, one more extra nugget to this fucking nuts story I have to mention before we wrap this up for the day. Mm. And that's Julie Rowe. If you would like an in-depth learning on this woman, go watch Stephanie Harlow's video on this case. She did a really good job, but this woman, holy fuck. Anyway, okay. So Julie is also, of course, a part of this radical religious group that Chad and Lori belong to. And she's been on YouTube videos. I think if you're in our Facebook group, Ross had posted an article about this. There's a YouTube video of her and some dude talking about this. You can fucking watch that in the thread. And the one I talked about is in that thread too. She's spoken to the media. She's spoken to the police. She's spoken to everybody. And some of this stuff she said is just creepy as fuck. And I'm just like, I don't like it. Essentially, these people describe hearing voices or the beings that are speaking to them as, quote, their angels. Well, she's known Chad for a long, long time because Chad and Tammy's publishing company is also who published Julie's book or books. And she has said that they had multiple conversations for years that they had both been told by their angels that Tammy was going to die young or youngish, and supposedly went as far as to guess the year. Of course, she she did not die the year it happened. Shock, shock. She had said Chad was like, oh, she was given extra time or something. But red flag number one for you. And apparently Chad wanted out of the publishing business, but Tammy said no, she wanted to keep it going. So then when he was talking to Julie, he would say things like just casually, oh, when she dies, I'm done with it, you know, that type of thing. And they had conversations about this kind of crap for like five years, five fucking years. 
And they never told Tammy. That's crazy. We had visions you're going to die, but let's not tell you. What? Okay. Okay. Also, probably the most infuriating thing to me about this whole thing is that Julie has said that she's spoken with Tammy and the kids via their souls and that they're happy and safe and okay and that everyone should just essentially chill out, like paraphrasing, obviously, chill out and relax. They're fine. But one of them is dead and the other ones they don't know. Yeah. And then I like this could be I, I think I swear in one of them it was like saying they were all together and I'm like, oh, so is that you saying they're dead? Like what? Because Tammy's obviously dead. Like, what the fuck? Confirming that now. But even though it's like far-fetched as hell, there is a theory and it's something I hope is that people think that because of this cult-like, it's not saying that the organization is a cult. It's saying that these people saying that Julie, Lori, and Chad are in like a cult group, essentially, is what I'm getting, is what people are saying. Cult-like behavior. Yes, They think that there's possibly like a house or a hideout or some kind of something like that. And that's where the kids are being kept. Mm. Okay. Which I guess could be a possibility. I mean, you never know. That would be something, I guess, kind of positive as long as they aren't being hurt or abused. Mm -hmm. Because that would mean they're alive. Something concerning, though, is that I guess JJ was also on medication and there's been no refills of any kind. So that's worrisome. It's been since September. True. Of course, they could have always gotten some sort of like fake ID. Right. Yeah. They could have got another way to do it. You never know. Mm -hmm. You don't know what the fuck these people are doing because we don't know where they are. But the other scary reality is with all of these people that have died around these two, these children may not be alive anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've been gone essentially a third of a year at this point. But I really hope with the search warrant and the autopsy and anything else they're able to get over this last month that they will have some answers and get closer to finding these kids because this is just this is just insane and the rest of their family, you know, the grandparents, the uncle, the brother, everyone they they deserve answers. Like this is horse shit. True. It's very that's very true. And it's like such a complex case. It is. It's crazy. And I'll just say, if this is one that's pulling at you, start with the sources page because there's a tons of stuff on there. And then go on YouTube, go on Google. You'll find so much stuff. So, so much stuff. It's crazy. But yeah, like I said, hopefully we will get some answers. If by any weird thing, anyone listening kind of has any kind of inkling or has seen Lori or Chad, even if you had no idea who they are and now you do, All of the tip information is in the show notes. And like I mentioned earlier, you can always contact the police department and things like that. It would help these kids out a lot. For sure. Or at least, you know, give people the peace of mind. Yeah. Help these families just go whichever direction they got to go since we don't know. True. But with that, we are going to wrap it up. We hope you guys have a great weekend or a great day, depending on when you're listening to this. And we will catch you in the next regular episode. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.